Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Everybody, welcome to the happiest episode yet of Half Street High Heat. Our Nats are going to the NLCS, which I can't even believe I just said that sentence. Um, I am joined as always by my cynical but proved to be wrong co-hosts, Nick and Ryan. <laughs> you can find them on Twitter at DC Natjack. I should tell you mine too at a white seven eight seven seven and the show at Half Street High Heat. Hello, gentlemen. How was your week? That wasn't the best mm-hmm. intro we've ever received. No, you guys were wrong. I just want to point out who picked the Nats to beat the Dodgers. Just me. Just me. You said actually, actually before the walk, no, you did. You said, and I quote, "I don't see a way that the Nats can beat the Dodgers. The Dodgers going to win." Yeah, yeah, I did, but I then am the only one. No, you never picked them to beat the Dodgers. All right, well maybe I'm wrong. Crap, (laughs) you are wrong. I was all ready to quote. Well, now you're cynical, but proven wrong. How's it feel? There you go. Fair enough. It feels the same pretty much as the whole season. Like, never been happier to be wrong. Uh, you better watch your ass. <laughs> but yeah, Little early Ama- in the pod to be getting into an argument. Amanda threatened someone when she was a kid, so I'm watching that. It's true. It's true. I did. It's true. You better, you better watch out. So, we, uh, you know, I don't think a single pundit. Not, certainly not us, and nobody else picked the, the Nats to go to the NLCS after that start. And I just kept thinking back during that, that game five, like to to early in the season when we were all like, there's no way they could possibly make the playoffs at this point. They should trade everybody and blah, blah, blah. And I'm so glad to be wrong. And they won the playoff series. And they were I know, roommates. and no one – can ever say again, but the Nets have never won a playoff series. We never have to hear anyone say that ever again. Mm-hmm. My my favorite thing was that tweet where 
it was all the NL East and their most recent playoff series win, and now the Braves have the longest playoff series win drought <laughs> in all of the NL East. The uh, yeah, the tweet was yesterday, so it said recently. that. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Absolutely, and seeing the Braves lose in such humiliating, horrible fashion yeah, was wasn't just even good close. for my soul. Was yeah. not even close. Love it. Am I alone that I felt a little twinge for the Dodgers, actually? Like, we know that pain, and I, it was nice to be on the other Absolutely. end of it for once, but I did actually get a twinge for Clayton Kershaw, if you can believe it. Yeah, that's um, what I was just going to say. When I heard Kershaw's comments, I was like, oh, man, now it doesn't seem as fun. <laughs> I know, you're See, ruining it, Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> I don't care. Like, pitch better. Sucks. Suck. <laughs> But like, yeah, you know, yeah. the the Rendon home run was not a bad pitch at all. The Soto no, it really was. was. So the Soto completely slider right down the middle. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he completely missed his spot in the Soto one, but the Rendon one, he hit his spot. It was down. Rendon was just, I mean, we know he's a great hitter. He went down and got it. So that's not necessarily his fault at all. But yeah, it, it, yeah. it's on him regardless. Joe Kelly lost the game, but. Clayton Kershaw was the one who blew it. They also should have yeah, been but... pitching. Um, take that, computers, because Dave Roberts made that decision based on the analytics before the game. Um, but don't go past the, the save. And Kershaw got to save by striking out Eaton. So he should have gone with Maeda. Yeah. If he does, Nats don't win that game. So shout out to the computers and Dave Roberts for getting outmanaged Shaking by Dave Maeda. Thanks, yep. Dave Roberts. And... <laughs> I mean, the fact that they didn't go Kenley Jansen until the game was legitimately lost, that was a weird one. The fact that they went Joe Kelly for a second inning, another weird I one. Um, the fact that they didn't go that lefty against Soto after Kershaw had already given Caleric. up the run. Yeah. That uh-huh. was, yeah, yeah. And that was a weird one. So Soto I mean, has not yes. seen that guy well at all. Mm-hmm. Right. The that's the, the 100% earned it, but the Dodgers definitely lost it too. Dave Roberts definitely yeah. lost it. It yeah, it was an, it was a really interesting series of decisions late in that game that I know will get picked apart a thousand times in the off season um, by the LA media because there's nothing else. Yeah, to that's talk their about problem now. now. They were they were right, but I don't want to take that. away what the what the Nats did there either. I mean, Howie coming up in a spot like that and just waited Way on that the pitch and bounced back. Oh man, after that series, and I want to do my mea culpa. I didn't. Do, I did it on Twitter a little bit already, but I was ready to not see Howie anymore after the hard series he had defensively. Oh, Went I was, into that I was out on the base pass. Yep. I wanted him out of that game, and I was wrong. Sorry, Howie yeah. Hendrick. No, I was exact in exactly the same boat. I mean, I was in. Uh, it was me and my girlfriend there, and she doesn't know baseball that well. She's getting into it, but I was rip, rip, <laughs> ripping Howie apart the entire game. And literally right before the Grand Slam, she's just like, be nice, believe in Howie. And then, of course, he hits the Grand Slam. Because, of course. <laughs> nice. Of course. Well yeah. done. I mean, he had, well done. He had five errors the entire series. He let countless runs come in because of that. He had terrible base running mistakes. And the mm-hmm. game came to him, and now none of that matters because he came through and it mattered most. Like, when he came off the bat, I was like, sweet, that's a sack fly. But it went to so the same I, that's what I he just missed his home run. And it was a grand slam. Yep. And you know what? I saw something. I don't remember who wrote it, but I was like 
just wallowing in all of the coverage the next morning. And somebody had written something about Howie, and they said, when history remembers this, nobody except the hardest of the hardcore fans are going to remember the base running mistake or the defensive errors earlier in the series. All anybody is going to remember 20 years or 50 years slam. from now is that grand slam in that moment. And Kendrick just made himself yeah. a Nats legend the, with that The hit. unlikely playoff hero, Howie Kendrick, yeah. Yep. Yeah, it was quite a moment. And Nick was there, for those of you listening who don't know. So we're going to hear about all about that. But first, Ryan, you want to give us the best week in review ever? Yes. So <laughs> while the Nats and the Braves are playing in the playoffs, there are some loser teams in divisions. I don't care about the Marlins. No one cares about the Marlins, so they're not getting an update. We're going to jump to the Mets, who the Wilpons, and uh, their GM, BVW, met with Mickey Calloway and went over their plans for their list of targets and how they want to approach the offseason, which makes it seem like, all right, he's going to be their guy. So Mickey Calloway left that meeting thinking, you know what, I'm going to be here next year. Well, he got fired on his day off about three days later. Mickey Calloway <laughs> can. So shout out to the Mets for whatever. Um, I don't know. Now that guy knows what they want to do this offseason. Um, they are going to be looking at Joe Girardi and other people, but that is a big Beltran market job. Too. Beltran, yep, that's a big market job with a team that wants to win now, so that's going to be very attractive in the off season. And that is not the only opening. Um, the Phillies, after the GM failed this off season, they going to spend stupid money, did not spend the money correctly. Emphasis on the stupid there. Um, he asked everyone in the organization how they feel about Gabe Kapler. Many Phillies reporters like, oh, the players love Gabe Kapler. He's going to be here next year. Fired. Gabe Kapler is out. That position is not going to be as attractive as the Mets, but they are looking at Dusty and Buck Showalter for that position. Please hire Dusty. Then we move to the Braves, (laughs) who lost in five games to the St. Louis Cardinals, and I want to give a round of applause to every single Braves fan who ran their mouth all year long thinking this team was different. And guess what? You got embarrassed in five games. Congratulations, everyone. But no, no, Braves fans, you guys can celebrate the fact that you now hold the record for the most consecutive first-round exits in MLB history. You've lost 10 straight uh, (laughs) division series, including uh, one wild-card game. Every game, every series, you choke. The Marlins have won more playoff series since 2001 than you guys have. You guys have not won <laughs> playoff series since 2001, and I am going to let every single Braves fan hear it after everything they talk. And then we move to the Nationals, the only team left in the NL East. Um, they played the wild card game that was not very wild at all. Juan Soto did not have the biggest hit of his life and at that moment in Nationals history. Juan Soto did, though, defeat racism. Shout out Josh Hader. <laughs> You're canceled. Never going to come back to Nats Park ever again. I lost my voice for three days. It was amazing. And then came a five-game hard-fought series where Davey actually shined and showed that, hey, I could be a pretty good manager if I just keep using these same six pitchers over and over again. The Nats, <laughs> in epic fashion, in game five, win their first ever playoff series. And they're going to take on the Cardinals, where this will be Davies' true test to see how he can manage a terrible bullpen that you can't hide in a seven-game series. And that is the NL East in review. 
Wow. And what's left of it, which is just our what is left of it? Can you believe it? <laughs> Can you believe it? Unbelievable. I seriously keep it. I just keep thinking how unlikely this is that we're that we're having this conversation right now about an NLCS appearance oh, no, for this team. They are the, this is the farthest any team has gone when they've been 12 games or under in like in uh in the season. The Dodgers were also that's the most lost the most wins a team ever had losing in the NLDS or the ALDS. Every team that's won yeah. over 100 games has moved on, except for the Dodgers. Sucks to suck, like we said earlier. Sorry, Kershaw, great guy, but. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I know I felt a little bad for him, but I, I'm still going to wallow in this because it feels like it feels like a David and Goliath story. You know, the Dodgers were – everybody had just anointed them the, the NL pennant early in the season, and uh, it sure feels good. Even even if the Nats don't get past the Cardinals, it feels good to have knocked off the Dodgers. Still one <laughs> Yeah, we got one. So uh, we just talked a little bit about the wild card. Um, Ryan, I know you were there. I was there. I also lost my voice for days afterwards. And then again, after I went to game three, which did not go the Nats way. But the luckiest among us is Nick, who was at the Dodgers game, at Dodger Stadium for game five for mm-hmm. the Grand Slam. So give us the rundown. Nick, <clears throat> tell us all about it. So first, let me uh, like start off by saying Dodger Stadium beautiful but literally as far as parking like we um natchak ranked the stadiums earlier this year and dodger stadium was high up there and for that reason uh for like the the stadium itself it's high parking absolutely sucks uh dodger stadium for those you don't know is on top of a hill and it's kind of like football field parking where all the parking lots are surrounding the stadium and that's basically all the parking you're going to get because it's on top of a hill. So unless you want to park at the bottom of like a, a small mountain and walk up, you're not really going to have much else uh, optionalized. So we were caught in traffic. Uh, we were driving up from Oceanside, which is a little bit north of San Diego. So it's about two hours of traffic. Um, but it took us like an hour to get into the stadium. Once we got to the parking lot, it was brutal. So I got there um, after the it was top of the third. So at that point, the Dodgers are up 3-0. Um, and let me just Yikes. say that once I got there, Nats won 7-0. So clearly I did something right. Um, better be at all the next games then. You better get yourself yes. to the stadium. So if someone wants to pay them or pay for me to go, I will happily oblige. Um, <laughs> but – it, it was kind of funny because I was looking around, like, trying to see if there's any other Nats fans around. And it was like, if you look at every section, you could see, like, one or two red shirts or red hats. No more, no less. What did you like wear? Every, I wore my uh, Scherzer Nats uh, All-Star jersey from last year. Um, nice. So, I, I mean, I was wearing red, so you could tell. Uh, I got plenty of booze, but that's fine. I, I, I let my team do the talking for me. Um, but it it was crazy because as soon as I got there uh, and like sat down and actually started watching the game, I think it was Howie who hit that ball and Bellinger had that catch in center field, and I I kind of mm-hmm. thought to myself I was like oh man this is not gonna go well <laughs> like oh geez, um, and it kind of just remained like that. Dodger Stadium was insane. I will give the fans credit; they were loud. They uh, they were intimidating, for sure. Um, it, it was definitely a home field advantage. Uh, but, I mean, obviously, even when um, 
was it Soto who had the the RBI to score the first run? Um, that was like obviously crucial into uh, Mount Hope and comeback, but Dodger Stadium didn't really let it affect them. Uh, I mean, that was off of Bueller. Bueller was still dominant. He threw like 120 pitches. It was insane. Yeah, um, he was so good. Yeah, but Dodger Stadium, they were still like in it, still going until Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> uh, I mean, Kershaw got the last out of the seventh, and fans were hyped. Uh, I mean, just because he got that last out, people thought that like playoff Kershaw was like no more, and then this was like the real Kershaw. And then he faced uh, Anthony Rendon and Juan Soto, and it did not go wow. so well. Wow. Oh, man. It, yeah. like, Tell us, what happened when he faced Anthony Rendon and Juan Soto? <laughs> like, I'm sure we've all been in a stadium and been a part of when a stadium goes silent because something just absolutely terrible goes wrong. What, us uh, Nats fans have happens. experienced yeah. that, you think? <laughs> right. But it, it was such a different moment. One, being on the other side of it, like cheering the thing that went wrong for most everyone else. And two, being in Dodger Stadium with that many people, it was just like such a larger scale hearing them go silent and realizing that, oh, no, we're in trouble <laughs> again because of Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> like, it was uh-huh. just – and I'm just like – at that point, I mean, I, I felt okay celebrating. I mean, I was – sitting high up and I didn't want to get pushed over the ledge or anything, but I, I felt <laughs> more okay celebrating because like, obviously we just hit back to back home runs to tie the game off uh, one of the best pitchers in MLB history. Um, so I was, I was cheering, but I was like, the Nats can easily blow it. This could easily turn into a bullpen game. I'm not going to do too much. So I just sat back down, happy, blah, blah, blah. I will say I was extremely, extremely nervous to see how Hudson pitch because he got hit very hard. That was uh, his was just, third yes, time going in the series. Yeah. It was just like a couple of atom balls. So right at people, thank God. But I mean, they oh, were in that moment where the ball Smith went all ball. the way to the wall. Oh, oh, and they were like, I saw Will the Dodgers Smith climbed over the railing and tried yeah. to like, thought it was a walk off. I was about to just like weep in my living room watching it. Yeah, I would have gotten ruined if Will Smith had actually hit that ball out because, like, I mean, I was more loud than I had been earlier in the game, uh, obviously after the, the back-to-back home runs. And I was Bellinger struck out again, and I kept saying, not my MVP, and Dodgers <laughs> not like that. Nice, um, Nick. <laughs> so, yeah, Will Smith hit that ball, and, yeah, all the air and all my soul just got, like, sucked out of me. But then I realized uh-huh. he even caught it. And I was like, I just exhaled. Um, but, of course, it came to, down to freaking Adam Eaton to catch that ball. And, right. I mean, well, he sort of redeemed himself for the three-pitch strikeout to Kershaw. The previous. Eh, eh, I <laughs> mean, yeah, he, he, had, he has two hits he, in the playoffs so far. Yeah, certainly wasn't the brightest spot of the series. Um, no. But then, obviously, you get into extra innings, and I was just – it was literally my, my nightmare. Like, I had – like reservations about going to the game in general just because it was a game five and had this game five been in dc i probably would not have gone but it was just because i was in california it was a doable um thing as far as like our schedule and we didn't have anything planned 
And I was like, when am I going to get the chance to do this again? It's in LA. Let's just go. So like I had super high reservations about going. And then of course it goes into extra innings and it's our bullpen. I'm like, Oh Jesus. And then, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it maybe it was different on TV, but from where I was sitting way up above, Rendon and Soto are just like gods. Like they, I, I don't understand how they're that good at baseball. I, I just truly don't. Because when Rendon came up, I just felt so calm and confident. I was like, oh, he's he's going to murder this pitch. And he did. He just missed a home run. And then Soto, they intentionally walked him. But, like, I had zero doubts. And it was, like, the most confident I've ever felt as an Nats fan. And it was what about when Howie came up? How did you feel with the bases loaded, nobody yeah. out, and Howie at the plate? Well, I, I, I adjusted my expectations to – like, oh, a sack fly, maybe a single, even, I mean, the infield was in, so a gra- or a double play, like, they're going to shoot four and probably get that at home. So that's, obviously, you're you're hoping for something in the air, but I, I felt good about Howie at least making contact. And then he put a charge into that ball, and like Ryan said, I thought it was a sack fly. So and did I. It, it I just, did not think just, that ball yeah. was going out it just kept carrying and carrying. And as the ball kept carrying, I like slowly like rose from my seat, just slowly stood up. <laughs> and then, cause, I, cause before I, I stood up when uh, Howie hit that ball and Bellinger caught it with that amazing defensive play. I was like, Oh God, it, I mean, listen, it's a sack fly, but it has a chance. So I just slowly stood up and then went over and I lost my mind. I <laughs> lost my mind. And, I mean, literally, I swear, the ball, like, cleared the fence and half of Dodger Stadium left. Oh, it was so Oh, funny. you could see like, that on TV. And the moment, I don't know if you could exodus. see it from your seat, Nick, but on TV, my favorite thing was how Bellinger runs back to try to get it, and it goes over the wall, and he just stays there for a second with both his hands and his face, like, pressed up against the wall. Like, uh, no, the moment I, he realized I it mean, was gone. He, oh. I, I, didn't, TV, I didn't see that part because I was, like, losing my mind. What were you saying, Ryan? CBS was really behind, and so Nick, like, I was trying to hide my phone because Nick was texting me, like, a little before, and I looked at my phone for the pitch, and all I saw in all caps was, oh, my God, and I was like, great. He grounded into a triple play somehow, and then the ball just (laughs) kept going. (laughs) That's so Nats fan of us to assume it's a triple play instead of assume it's a grand slam, right? (laughs) <laughs> and I, I was like trying to stay off my phone and like be in the game be in the moment but I was just like losing my mind and like there was no Nats fans around me to like like celebrate high with. five and, like yeah. I, yeah no one to high, high five, five nothing <laughs> like I could run to the section over but like that's it like there was no one around me so I was just losing my mind so I was texting Ryan like after every little thing and I was like trying to see who was in the bullpen who was coming in next blah 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 uh, but yeah how we hit that ball and it was just crazy and it was funny because like from where i was sitting you could see over the left field fence to where people were exiting the parking lots and all you saw was the red lights from cars leaving the stadium it was so funny it's so good it's so Uh, good and and the seats in dodger stadium are yellow for whatever reason so it's like painfully obvious when there's not fans in the seats so it was just like it turned from blue to white to like basically majority yellow and like some red sprinkled in and it was so funny Oh, it's so funny. And I had a, a couple oh. of reservations when uh, Doolittle came in just because I have a love-hate relationship with Doolittle. But I felt pretty good because it seemed like the life was kind of sucked out of the Dodgers at that point. 
Um, and in the most anticlimactic end to the game ever, like Taylor had a great catch, but didn't. <laughs> he didn't like, even he react. got up. Yeah, he didn't. I know. React. He just like he looked like he's like guys. I I caught it. It was and I but I had a moment too where I was like, did that bobble? Was it was it a catch? Did it hit the right, ground? Like what it, happened? It never hit the ground. And I, so, but like, you I couldn't really see that until the replay, you know. So it was right. like. Right, yeah. like I, I was recording it on the last out of my phone, and like I didn't react. I was like, "Was it a hit?" Like I, I don't understand. And he started walking in, and he like just held up his glove a little bit, but didn't react. Wasn't celebrating. And I was like, "What?" And then well, I it saw, was so like, funny. <laughs> yeah, it was just so annoying. But I mean, it was a good play. It was just like not the reaction I would have expected. And of course, it's Michael freaking Taylor, but. <laughs> I know. Just was, like we all predicted, Howie Kendrick with the grand slam and Michael Taylor to yeah. shut the door. Just and like Michael we all Taylor was right. playing well. A surreal experience. It was insane. Uh, that is my World Series. Uh, and oh yeah. The best part about going to a game in enemy enemy territory and of that magnitude is that if your team wins, any other fan in the stadium, like your boys with for life. So like I was walking right. through. <laughs> People, people with Nats jerseys are just coming up, like dapping me up, knuckle touch, like we just say go Nats, go Nats, like just you're you're you have that bond for life. You survived enemy territory. Your team won. Your team prevailed, and now you're boys for life. It, it was how it was many great. Uh, saw, Nats fans do you think were there? Caps jerseys. Um, I I saw the Caps jerseys. Yeah, yeah, I saw them on TV funny. too. Um, so after the game and like they were celebrating on the field and stuff, uh, a bunch of fans went behind the, the visiting dugout and were kind of cheering on the team. And there was a group of probably like 50. Um, obviously that wasn't all the Nats fans because some probably left. Like we didn't, uh, go down to the, the field level we left, uh, cause our car was right there. But, um, there, I mean, in total, there was probably less than 200. Like it was packed with Dodgers fans like I didn't know a visiting team could have so few fans at a home baseball game <laughs> as a Nats fan <laughs> yeah As, well that is an awesome breakdown thank you for letting us all live vicariously through you getting to see that I'm insanely jealous hopefully we'll all get to go to a game where the Nats clinch another playoff series hopefully in DC in front of the home crowd I don't know. I might retire at, on top. I, I got lucky <laughs> here, so I might go out a champ. Oh, yeah. Well, there is something to be said for that, I suppose. All right. Well, <laughs> uh, I know you have things you need to do, so thank you. Are you going to stay do. with us for the NLDS breakdown, or are you going to jump off? No, I got to run, but I know uh, Bye, the rest of the show is in, uh, in very capable hands, so uh, you guys got it. All right. Enjoy the rest of your trip. Safe travels home. We'll talk to you soon. Later, guys. All right. So, bye to Nick. And that was an awesome, awesome story. It was so nice to hear about that. So, let's talk about the other games. We all know uh, what happened in game five. But there there were some other things to talk about. There were some issues which are overshadowed by the fact that they won. But there were definitely some things to talk about. What were your kind of takeaways from the series? Um, so Anthony Rendon got off to a very slow start, and I was I was a little worried about that because Rendon and Soto are the key to how far this team goes. If Rendon mm-hmm. and Soto are on, like we saw in the games they won, 
this this lineup is extremely deep. We saw in the wild card too, those two back-to-back create havoc for the other pitchers. Like, I mean, Juan Soto had huge hits against Josh Hader and Clint Kershaw. Those are two of the toughest lefties in the entire league to get hits off of. And he did that unbelievable against Unbelievable what that kid does. Oh, he's, he's unbelievable. It's insane. Um, when that, that was good. Um, it was really good to see Zim hit that three-run home run. Um, I, we've all been tough on Zim. I've been really tough on Zim this year. Regardless how you feel about his future and everything to the club, it was really good to see Ryan have, like, his one shining moment, Mr. Oh. National, Mr. Franchise, hit that three-run home run and kind of secure that win. I thought that, yep. was, that was really good to see. And it was it just you know, that was a feel-good moment. It was. And we could all breathe again with that kind of a cushion. Exactly. You know what I mean? It was like, okay. Yeah, it was a fabulous moment. You know, we all have talked so much about Zimmerman and what the future holds. But right now, who cares what the future holds? Like, we've got a shot to get to the damn World Series, and he's a part of it. So, go Zim. That yeah. was an awesome moment. Um, and One thing that really – Turner and Eaton kind of bothered me this series. Like, Turner, I know Turner's numbers are pretty good, but him and Eaton need to get on more consistently in front of Rendon and Soto. Um, yeah. And also, the Nats, the Nats didn't steal once. Like, I understand how you have Trey Turner and Adam Eaton and you don't steal. Yeah, I, that's in my notes to talk about, too. The lack of base stealing was surprising. It, it, it's, they're going to have to do it against the Cardinals. Like, they're going to yeah, have I to mean, manufacture runs against Cardinal pitching. Yeah, and so, I mean, the fact that they did it against the Dodgers was a little surprising. The Dodgers stole five times. That's because they know Kurt Suzuki with his elbow or shoulder, whatever it was, and the fact that he already struggled throwing people out, that was an issue. Um, but Adam Eaton, man, like, his on, his on base was 381, and I'll give it to him. There were a couple at-bats where they needed something going, and he got on, like, he got walked, but Yep. He's two hits, including the wild card game and all five of the games. Like, that's not good. I think he's hitting, like, 135. Top of the order, he needs to get some hits. Yeah, I would like to see more hitting from him, of course, but the on-base percentage is decent, and if, if he's on, I don't really care how. And he did have some yeah, big I moments. Mean, he also had some bad moments, like the three-pitch strikeout. It, oh, you know, was, in that inning he where, was completely yeah. overmatched against Kershaw. Yeah, which, you know, and was, Kershaw is Kershaw. I mean, yeah, so I mean that happens, but I like the on base is 381. That's good, but like to get some more hits. Um, he also can't really bunt, but to me the biggest story, and like I know there's a question about this, but all throughout the Nats playoff history, we watched Matt Williams make terrible decision after terrible decision just in the four game series they had, and his defining mm-hmm. quote was, "He's our guy." He's my eighth in the guy. Yeah. And then back-to-back years, we had Dusty, again, who was too loyal, kept going by the book, and his decisions lost the, the Nats series against the Cubs and the Dodgers. And then we had Davey, who he held them until the right moment in the wild card game. He kept making the right moves with his pinch hitting in the right moments. Um, and then he kept going with his big guys. Like, his entire mantra, that entire series was, I'm going to win and lose with my best guys. Like, he used yeah. all the stars out of the bullpen. And I know in mm-hmm. game three, it didn't go very well with Corbin, but that was still the right decision at the time. Because you know, 
Sanchez has a 940 OPS against the third time through the order. The Dodgers are already starting to like square up on him the inning before. So if he went out there again, it would have been an absolute disaster. Um, yep. Anyone else in the bullpen, they blow that. And he kept going to them. And that made me so happy that just uh, he went to Rodney twice, right? Yeah, when it was kind of they were losing, they're out of it. That was the right time to go to them. I'd like to see that in NLCS, but that's not going to happen seven-game series. But Davies' pitching management this series, brilliant. His best, for sure. I did have some things that I didn't, I didn't like, some decisions that he made. Oh, but, great. you know, and I always like to remind people, just because something works doesn't mean it was the right decision. And just because something doesn't exactly. work, it doesn't mean it was the wrong decision. And, like, Corbin is a perfect example in game three. That was the right decision that didn't work. But, yeah, I mean, you know, he, there were some things Corbin in that series. Yeah, exactly. And that was, I mean, what else are you going to do? Who are you going to bring in in that spot? You know, you didn't have a better option than, than Corbin. But there were a few things that, you know, I didn't, I didn't agree with. with but I, I don't even feel like we need to pick nits so much with Davey. I, I have, we've been killing him on this podcast all year, and I think he's had some really, really poor decision-making, particularly with bullpen usage. But this go 1-0 today thing that they did is whatever it takes to win this game today that we have to win, we're going to do it, and then we'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. I love that. I love that attitude. And I, even in this series, you can't do it quite as much because it's a seven-game series. But I think that's what worked for them, and they really need to stick with that. You know, I've been saying that for every time they make the playoffs, don't worry about the next game. Worry about this game. Like, we saw Dusty yeah. do that in game four against the Dodgers. He pitched Joe Ross because he was like, I like the matchup that Max will have in game five when the Nats are up two games to one. And guys kept doing that. And, like, you can't yep. think like that in the playoffs. And it blows my mind. You can't so overlook we, any opponent, and you can't overlook any game. No game is a given. You, I don't care who's on the mound. You, you, have you can't to take expect it to win. By, exactly. Like, you have to take it inning by inning, game by game, moment by moment. And they finally did that. And what do you know? They won the playoff series with that attitude and that mindset, yep. just only focusing on the moment. And I will give Davey his props. He managed much better to me in this series than he has at any point in his tenure with the Nats. I uh, I was impressed by a lot of the decisions that he made. Some of them were, you know, some of them were kind of crazy, especially early in the series. And you were like, whoa, like the game one stuff. I was like, holy moly, what are we? Or game two, I mean, you know, he he made some really ballsy decisions that worked out. And uh, I'm I'm definitely willing to eat a little crow and give him credit on this one. Oh, I will. I mean, you know, I, I don't like Davies. Like, that's that's pretty obvious. Like, if you follow me on Twitter, if you listen to the podcast, I don't like Davy. I don't shy away from the fact that I don't like him. But right now, I'm giving him mad props because it's due. He did a great job. And, like, his decisions won the first two games that the Nats won. And mm -hmm. it has me having a little bit more confidence in Davy. Like I said before, this is the real test. Because you can't hide weaknesses in a seven-game series. Like, if the Dallas yes. Dodgers series was seven games, I don't know if they win that series just because how hard they had to ride Max, Corbin, Strauss, Doolittle, and Hudson. I don't know if they yes. can get two more games out of them. And so now you got to start using the other guys that you avoided. You do, for sure. And, you know, it does make you wonder, though. It kind of raises the question of what – this year could have been like or what Davey could be like if he had a competent a normal bullpen. bullpen to work with. Yeah. Even a even a just okay bullpen. 
But the bullpen, in it, you know, to be fair, has been better of late. I did not like the decision to go to Rainey in game in, in that game. I did not like that decision oh, at I didn't all. It it worked out. And again, this is a perfect example of something that I think was the wrong decision, but it worked out. Um, I'm glad that obviously it went the way it did. But you know, yeah. you you got to be able to go to you got to be able to go to Rainey in a seven game yeah. series. Like you have to. And you know, hopefully that outing that went really well for him is going to be a confidence booster, and and he can perform better than he did down the stretch. But there's nobody in that bullpen, not named Hudson or Doolittle, that really deserves to be trusted. And you're going to have to go to guys and just roll the dice and hope for the best. Yeah, I mean, Hunter Strickland, um, <laughs> Hunter Strickland is statistically one of the five worst playoff pitchers of all time. Um, I think he's given up, like, the second most playoff home runs ever, and he's only pitched in, like, six or seven or eight innings. Um, Good and I think it's so funny because, like, people forget when he was with the Giants, like, he was supposed to be the next big thing and the next closer, and then he ran into Bryce Harper and twice made a pay, and they're like, all right, maybe Hunter Strickland shouldn't be the closer. And then they kept throwing him in high leverage situations. He kept blowing it. So then Hunter Strickland's role kind of went into, like, well, what is he? Because he can't handle high leverage situations. And during the regular season, he had moments where I thought, like, you know what? Maybe, maybe he's a new guy. Maybe you know the whole anger management thing he did, all his mm-hmm. rehab and everything. He's fine, but he's still a liability. <laughs> Narrator, he was not a different guy. Yeah, um, <laughs> I don't even want to see him on the roster, really. I, oh, I don't think there's any situation in which you can go to him with any confidence. And so I would truly rather have fewer pitchers in the bullpen if you can't go to them and just lengthen the bench. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, I, I agree. Like, I don't know what you can use. You can use him in because, like, he hasn't I can't even conjure can... a situation in my head where you would go to Hunter Strickland. Because, <laughs> like, he, he hasn't shown a moment ever in his career when he could be trusted in the playoffs. And the playoffs are a whole different animal. Like, who you are in the regular season doesn't translate. Look at Clayton Kershaw. And, like, Fernando Rodney, like, as much as I hate him, he has a playoff track record where he has experience. He's been there, done that. So you can throw him out there. He's not going to be impacted by the big moment and 50,000 fans screaming and yelling because they want their team to do something. Yeah, I think that's true. And Rodney's been inconsistent, but he also can throw all his pitches for strikes. You know, I mean, he can he can change speeds like he can do stuff. He's a he's a he's had a long career and he knows how to pitch. And I would trust Rodney in a big in a big spot if you had to go to somebody in the bullpen because, the you you know, everybody else was gassed and you didn't have a choice. I would much rather see Rodney than Strickland. Yeah, I mean, if if Hudson, Doolittle, Rainey, the starters are all gone, everything, then, yeah, you know, I could be like, yeah go to him but I would if take you literally him have over. no other choice then I could see doing it yeah I was like, yeah I would take him over the other options in the bullpen all right before we move on to talk about the upcoming series against the Cardinals just want to remind all of you listening that we're doing this for the DMV Sports Network uh, you can find them at dmvsportsnetwork.com or on Twitter at dmv underscore sn I think that's also their Instagram handle at dmv underscore sn um, we are part of their library of podcasts about all the local teams. Be sure to check them out um, as well when you're going to download our latest episodes. And uh, please do leave us reviews. We always appreciate it. So let's talk cards, Ryan. What are your expectations, thoughts, feelings about this series? Yeah, um, I'm pretty excited for this series. Like, this was a series I wanted 
Um, I feel like it's just it's a good baseball series. I mean, the Cardinals are a historic franchise. Yeah, the Nats just won their first series, but also the Cardinals are the first demon. Like we all know what happened in 2012, and that kind of just set things off. When the Caps made their run, they slayed the first demon with the Penguins, and then the series after that, there was another element that kind of tied everything together with all their past demons. So like. I'm excited for it. The team that started all this stuff, I mean, probably took away a World Series away from the Nats in 2012. They get to go up against them again. Whole new different team. I'm pretty excited about that. It'll be a really fun series. The Cardinals yeah. do have good starting pitching. Um, their rotation matches up very, very well with the Nats. Um, they, they did release their starters. I'll get to that in a little bit. But their bullpen, especially Carlos Martinez, has been terrible. Um, yeah. Their bullpen kept the Braves in it the entire series, and the reason why that series went to five, I mean, Carlos Martinez got booed at home. <laughs> so when he came into it, so that is going to be Yeah, that tells you something right there. <laughs> exactly. But the annoying thing about the the annoying thing about them is that with the Dodgers, they're lefty loaded. So you could bring in like Sean Doolittle or Patrick Corbin for about three or four batters because they're the lefties. You can't really go matchups with this lineup because one through eight, they're going left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right the entire time. And that the Braves did say they kind of had an issue with that. So that is going to be fun. This is a really deep lineup. Um, yeah. I'm pretty excited about it. I don't do whole series predictions. I'm stopped doing my predictions because I was eight and zero in my DS series picks. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we do have some pitching matchups announced. Tonight, we got Sanchez versus Miles Mikolas. Tomorrow, we got Scherzer versus Wainwright. Um, Flaherty's going game three, and then Hudson's going game four. The Nats are in a little – this is what I would do. If the Nats start uh, Strauss on game three, he's going on regular day's rest, and then we have Strauss-Flaherty, amazing matchup. And then Amazing four, matchup. Great matchup. Game four, Matt, uh, Corbin goes on one extra day rest. And then doing that, you have Max and Strauss lined up for games five and six on full rest. So I think that would be the smart thing to do. Um, That's what I expected is, them to do for sure. Yeah, like get, get Corbin an extra day rest. He was kind of worked in the NLDS. But, I mean, this is it. <laughs> This is what a seven-game series is like. This is true October baseball. You know, you're going up against a team that's been to the NLCS, I think, five times last, like, ten years or so. Yeah, that's uh, crazy. The Cardinals, the Cardinals have been here, done that. The crowd's used to this. The crowd's going to be a factor. Um, and it's going to be in the 40s today and tomorrow. Real October baseball, and I cannot wait for it to start. I can't wait for it to get back to D.C. so we can get to a game. Did I see on Twitter that you already got your tickets for Game 3? Game, game 3, I will be there. Um, I have the not gotten my tickets yet, but I'm planning on going. <laughs> I was I was looking at, like, I I had, like, two sites open for Game 3, two sites open for Game 4, two sites open for Game 5, and I was trying to plan it out. But then I was like, Strauss, Flaherty, Game 3? I'm going, I know. And those are also the That's the one I want to go to. I'm <laughs> yeah, waiting um, to hope the ticket prices come down a little bit as we get closer to game oh, time, will. but we'll see. They're, if the Nats lose just, one or two of the first two games, they'll come. They'll come down. <laughs> oh yeah, because like game four, 
game for an LDS tickets were like 40 and 50 bucks because they're down two games to one. Like they were yeah. so cheap. The third part, the third ticket market, it's like so easy to like navigate and work. Those, those prices are going to come down. Yeah, agreed. Well, I hope that all of you people listening or as many of you as can get out to the ballpark. We need it to be, I, I'm sure it's going to be a sellout, but man, I got to tell you the, the playoff games, especially the wild card game that I've been to, they are raucous, fun, amazing baseball. And there's nothing like the atmosphere in a stadium for a playoff game. So if you haven't done it, this is the time. Get some tickets and get down there. So what, you said you don't want to make a full prediction. What do you think for these first two games? Do you want to go that far? What do you expect to see tonight? I think Sanchez is going to give us a good start. I do. And the thing with Sanchez, all you need from him is five innings and give up three runs or less. If your starter does that, you have a chance to win the game. Uh, I, I do think, though, since this one's on the road and that they are coming off where they just completely smacked the Braves, I think the Cardinals come out hot. Um, I think it's going to be close to the first five, but I think the Nats bullpen has a little hiccup, and I say the Cardinals win game one. But Max Scherzer did have his – this was honestly – okay, I forgot to say this earlier. His game four start was a legacy-defining moment because his yeah. narrative was getting real close to playing Kirk, Clint Kershaw's. He was 0-5 yep. with a six-year array in the elimination games, and he hadn't won a playoff start in his last ten tries. So, like, his legacy was getting real yeah. close to that. It was on the edge. Put the yep. team on, oh, yeah. He he put the team on his back in that start. I expect Mad Max to do it again, and I think the series is tied 1-1 coming back home to D.C. Yeah, I expect a 1-1 split in, in St. Louis. Is, you know, obviously, if they can win them both, that would be unbelievable, but I don't, I don't know that that's realistic. Um, like you said, the Cardinals just – went and absolutely destroyed the Braves. So I'm sure they're on a bit of an emotional high from that. Um, I do think, obviously, you know, we're not going to see Flaherty in these first two games, which is to our advantage, and they need to take at least one of them. But I, I take the Nats starting pitching over the Cardinals starting pitching all day long. I think we get to oh, see yeah, our I, I, I take twice. the Nats rotation also. Yeah. So what about the bullpen, though? Their bullpen has had some struggles as well. As you mentioned, um, the Nats, we, we have well-documented the Nationals' bullpen struggles. I think that is the Achilles heel for both these teams. And with the Nats, with the better starting pitching, um, I give them a slight edge there. Um, I think the Cardinals have a slightly better bullpen situation, but it's going to come down to the, it's gonna come down to the offense. If the Nats bring the bats, I, I feel good about them in this series. Yeah, I mean, I didn't look at it, like, I haven't looked at it recently, but I know during the regular season the Cardinals' bullpen was good. Um, well, then Martinez was also great, pretty good in the regular season. Look how he turned out. He blew a kiss and then blew the lead. Um, but mm-hmm. they do have Andrew Miller, who they are going to use every single time oh, yeah. Juan Soto comes up late in the game. So get used to Andrew Miller and that slider because you're going to see him a lot this series. Soto, I love Andrew Miller. He's not the same pitcher he was, but he's still like he's a he's a difference maker. And so I do give the slight edge to the Cardinals bullpen. I take Hudson and Doolittle over Martinez and Miller, but I think everything else in that bullpen, the Cardinals get the edge to. So they, I mean. Yeah, the middle relief again, guys, most certainly. <laughs> yeah, that they're also not afraid to let their starters go. As we saw, Flaherty went into eight, uh, Wayne Wright went into the eight, and then they let Flaherty in way too long when they're winning 13 to one. And then I think it was Hudson where they let him go into like the seventh or eighth inning. 
So the Cardinals will ride their, their starter as long as they can, and they kind of have a tendency to leave them in too long. So if mm-hmm. the, they're cruising early when the Nats start to come around, I feel like this lineup can take advantage of that when they're leaving their starter out one too many batters too many, but it's going to have to come from the bottom of the order. We've kind of seen yeah. recently Mike Taylor has been doing pretty well, but he went over in game five. He kind of reverted back to his old self. Jan Gomes, he did have one hit and two at-bats. That's more than Kurt Suzuki's had in the entire postseason. One of the catchers, please show up. I don't care who's playing. But for the I know. I don't care who it is. Just someone. <laughs> someone, please. Can somebody please? Yeah, there's – Um, I think Soto obviously got his own uh, his own limousine pitcher just for himself. Uh, Caleric yeah. from the Dodgers. They were, they were going after him, you know, that lefty-lefty matchup, the whole thing. I think that – you know, Soto, though, he scares opposing managers and the fact that they have to account for him and how they manage their bullpen. Even before he's stepped into the box, he's having a huge impact on the game. And uh, the the pitches that he was able to turn around in that Dodger series and, of course, in the wild card game are, I mean, it's just crazy to think about. He, I, I don't have enough superlatives to describe what Juan Soto is doing right now. But, you know, the Dodgers tried to be so careful pitching to him. They, you know, Bueller didn't, you know, even Bueller, he gets everybody, but, you know, even him, you could see that he was being very careful when he pitched to Soto. And I don't know. I just, I feel like Soto's our X factor, obviously Rendon as well. But when those two guys you mentioned earlier, when they're on, there's not much you can do with this lineup. But um, I, I don't think Miller's going to be able to, you know, once Soto sees him a few times and figures him out, I think Soto's going to do what he's done all year, which is destroy lefty pitching. I agree. I mean, he's those are two guys that every manager circles. I mean, in years past, this lineup only had one guy that people would circle and avoid, but now we got two. So that's double yeah. that. And one's a righty, one's a lefty. So that adds a whole another level of thought yep. to that. And so we have to figure out, do you really go matchup, matchup, or do you have one guy take on both of them? And that's a whole another level thing in high-stress situations that the Nats are adding to the managers. Um, so I think, you know, whoever's hitting fifth, they got to have a good series. Because if whoever's hitting yeah. fifth is not hitting, um, Soto's not going to get anything to hit. They're going to pitch around Soto consistently and just yeah. put them on base. They'll take him because he's not that fast over if it's Howie or Zen behind them if they're struggling to hit. And same goes, well, I mean, if Adam Eaton and Trey Turner aren't hitting, I mean, they're just going to go right after them and they're going to get yeah. more pitches even if they were hitting. But, like, if those top four are on, this could be a, a really, really great series for the Nats. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, that top four has been pretty much the same all season. You've seen a lot of movement, and you know, with injuries and everything else and just moving around in the lineup with the, the guys in the bottom half of the order. But that top four, when they're on, they're, you know, that's a very, very difficult lineup. When Eaton and Turner are getting on base – and you've got to account for first Rendon from the right and then Soto from the left. You know, it's a nightmare for opposing hitters. And even if you've got – or opposing pitchers, I mean, and even if you've got somebody in the bullpen you feel like can take on Soto, you can't use the same guy in every game. Like, Soto's in that lineup every day. You know, you're going to have to go to guys you don't feel as comfortable with. And, I don't know, I think Soto's going to be the key. If Soto keeps doing what he's been doing, I don't know. You know, he's got people on base in front of him. I don't know what, you know, the Cardinals are – if I don't even want to say it out loud, they get past the Cardinals, you know, what other teams are going to do with Juan Soto. So the Cardinals have actually released their lineup already. 
Ooh. So they're leading off with Dexter Fowler. They're going to have a switch hitter leading off. Um, Fowler has been pretty inconsistent at the plate, but he had a pretty good NLDS, and they're followed up by Colton Wong. And then their three, four, five are Goldschmidt, Ozuna, Molina. That three, four, five basically won the NLDS for them. We saw them have huge hit after huge hit, especially Molina kind of put, you know, his legacy back up on the map. And then six, they go Carpenter and then Edmund, and then Paul DeYoung, and then with Mikolas batting ninth. So like I said, that's switch, lefty, righty, 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 lefty, switch, righty, righty. So basically mm, that could be lefty, tough. righty, lefty, righty, or righty, lefty. Um, their lineup, like, it creates issues for opposing pitchers. And it is a good lineup. They are pretty deep, especially their 3-4-5, because, I mean, Goldschmidt and Ozuna had down years for their, stand, for their standards. And offense yeah. is still pretty good. So that kind of worries me, but the Nats starting pitching is good enough to neutralize anything. It's just going to, like, the, I, the bullpen's going to decide this. And, like, I know it's really cliche to say because the bullpen decides every single playoff series in the history of ever, but it's true. Right. But these two teams really are in. pretty well matched otherwise. It really is a they are. bullpen holds their crap together better kind of a series. Yeah. I mean, both teams have a good lineup. Both of them have a good heart, the order. They both have good rotations. And then the bullpen's kind of a question mark for them. So, like, yep. I think this is a really, really, really um, yep. balanced series. And I think this one's going to go six or seven games. The Astros are going to walk through the Yankees in about four or five games. So, I think, again, another series the Nats are in is going to be the more dramatic, more intense series. Yeah, I think, uh, too, even if I weren't a, a fan of either of these teams, this is going to just be an amazing series. This Nats Cardinals is going to be must-watch baseball, no matter who your team is. And I'm going to I be agree. incredibly stressed out by it because I, <laughs> I, even like the whole day when we face elimination games, any day that there's an elimination game, I'm like a complete emotional mess. So I'm preparing yeah. myself for that now. <laughs> All right, so let's do Twitter questions. Um this is a good one. We touched on this a little bit. This is from at Uga, Uga Mux. I don't know how to say this. O-O-G-A-M-U-H-C-S. Thank you for the good question, which is, did this series redeem Davey as a manager? He has botched a lot these last two years, but I really do think he's managed the series almost flawlessly and has definitely earned another contract. Dusty loses us this series. Is there anything you would have done differently? So, I, I believe before this playoff started that Davey was safe for the third year. I think the way he turned the season around, um, he kept the clubhouse together in their very tough start. Um, I think that earned him the third year, but it didn't really earn him back the fan base. Like, even though they turned it around, I was kind of sitting here like, well, how much of a difference did Davey really make during the regular season when he had a healthy $200 million lineup every single day? with the starting rotation that he did. But like we said earlier, Davey did a very, very good job in the NLDS. Like Dave Roberts has been the playoffs every single year that he's been a manager. He's beaten uh, Davey. That's right. He beat Dusty. And then he went to two world series. Like he knows what he's doing in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And he had a terrible game five. And Davey also could have had a terrible game five. But Davey outmanaged him in game five, which, like, I, I can't really stress enough. Like I can't even believe I I can, him, you just said that out loud, but yes. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So I, I think he's, I think Davey has won back the fan base and his job is very, very safe. Considering the fact that they won, like the one thing that I can even remember that I would have done differently is when Kurt Suzuki got hurt, I would have had Andrew Stevenson pinch run instead of going right to Jan Gones. But like that really didn't even matter in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. I think that's a, that would have been a very good move, but yeah, that was a scary moment. I'm glad that it seems like Suzuki's it wasn't as bad. It first looked like he got hit right in the face, but it was a, off his arm. So, absolute team player, doing whatever it takes to get on. Absolutely, that's absolutely, great. all that about that on base percentage, Kurt Suzuki. <laughs> OBP. <laughs> okay, so the next question is um, at Anthony Dizzle says, despite the fact the Nats have done this in the playoffs so many times, why am I still losing my freaking mind? <laughs> because yeah. we are addicted to pain. Yes, um, that is the right it, answer. It's that's that's the beauty of sports. Like you know, like there's a pretty good chance, like especially with the Nats, things aren't going to go your way, but you keep coming back, distract yourself for three yeah. hours, get emotionally invested, and like that's just that's the beauty of baseball. That's playoff baseball. And it's the sports in general. It's what makes you love it. It's the uh, it's so cliche, but it's the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. We love it all. You know, it it's is. the yeah. It's and all of the heartbreak, all of the stuff that goes wrong, you know, with that moment when Howie hit that grand slam, every Nats fan, it's it's like this I don't even know how to describe it exactly. It's like this group catharsis of of exercising that demon, you know, of of finally it happened and anybody who's been following the team through all the struggles gets to feel it's it's not just that moment, it's what it represents and, and how it compares with all the agonizing moments. It's the best thing about Exactly. Sports. And, like, it's something that anyone who follows baseball, like, can understand or relate. Like, how how many times did, in game four, we see Jock Peterson foul ball down the line be fair? How many times did we see someone in a big moment hit a ball mm-hmm. off the bat that we thought was a home front home run and it's not for the Nats? Like and it Will died Smith's at the track, run, yep. Yeah, that died at the track. There's so many things that never went the Nats' way that actually went the Nats' way. And that's it exactly. The things that always happen to us finally happen for us. And, you know, as much as it, it's funny, you look at a team like, like the Dodgers, for instance, who've been so dominant in the National League for so long, and you look, or if you look at football, you look at the Patriots, and like, I bet if you're a Patriots fan, it's super fun to be a Patriots fan, right? But is it, does it feel special the way that that Grand Slam felt when Howie hit that? Like, does, does another Super Bowl feel the same way that the first Super Bowl felt? I don't think it can. I'd like to find yeah. out, but <laughs> I don't. I just, you know, when we we've, we've got these teams in DC that have struggled so much and have, you know, we've gone through so much. Whether it was the Caps with all the second round exits, or I won't even talk about the football team; they're not worth mentioning. And you know, all the stuff that's happened with the Nats. It's, you know, it's that moment. The the finally getting to the top of the mountain, and we're not to the top of the mountain yet, but we got to a really big ledge that we hadn't gotten to before. With we with did. this uh, with this win, so yeah, that's my answer. Is you keep coming back because you love it, and we all love it. That's why. All right, at Soto Season says, why do you think the Nats have had such a hard time scoring with the opportunities right in front of them? The runners in scoring position so, thing has been a theme all year. This this was asked before Howie Kendrick's grand slam, but. The Nats are so infuriating in the playoffs before that moment. It's like whenever someone's on base and we're in a scoring position, they just can't get the hit. And, like, they really lacked it before. I mean, Ryan Zimmerman's home run was big. But I, I think it's kind of just like an approach thing. 
Like, this team had, like, the weight of never coming through in the playoffs on their shoulders, and I feel like that was always on the back of their minds, and they are trying to do too much instead of just trying to get just one run back. And we saw this year, they've been playing with house money this entire postseason. They're not supposed to be here. They weren't supposed to beat the Brewers. They weren't supposed to beat the Dodgers. And they're mm-hmm. playing so much more calm and relaxed that they didn't let the moment get the best of them. And I feel like that's why yep. we've seen three to four absolutely huge moments for the Nats because they're so much more calm and relaxed this postseason than they have in the past. Yeah, the the weight of expectations is less. And and Juan Soto being the exception here, obviously, because he's come up huge in, in the huge moments. But there are a lot of veterans on this team. You know, there's been a lot made of, of that in the media. But, you know, these, the moment really isn't too big for these guys. You know, they have been in the playoffs before. They've A lot of them have done this before. And they, they don't feel the overwhelming pressure, I think, the way that a lot of times the younger guys do. And Soto is just, like, otherworldly. He's 20 years old and acts like a crusty veteran. Like, nothing put it's that unreal. kid off. But it really is. I mean, but when this is all over, whatever happens and however this season ends, like, Soto is – that kid is magic. I am so glad he's going to be on this team. And I don't want to start – it, start messing with Braves fans, but it would be fun in the uh, off season to do a, a you know like a deep dive look at Acuna versus Soto, and you know what those two guys who are he's another wow. incredible young player. I you know and I hate to say it because I can't stand the Braves, but Acuna is amazing too. He's a he's a kid that I sure I wouldn't mind having him on the Nats. That's for sure. <laughs> All right, so I think that's it for questions. We will go to our uh, Who's Mad of the Week. This is very I, I didn't update it. I yeah. didn't update that. But in case this is your first episode, the Who's Mad of the Week is the person that I piss off the most on the Internet. Um, in case you guys don't follow me, I'm a little polarizing. I come out hot and heavy. I like to stir the pot, and I'm very, not the two-minute horn, but I'm very good at it. Um, so I get, I get a lot of very funny responses because I know exactly what to say to earth people. Um, but this who's mad of the week goes to all of the Braves fans who talked all the crap in the world, who even when they got eliminated, were still talking about the Nats, all the Braves fans who came obsessed with the interns caption of best team of baseball since May 24th to all the Braves fans who bought those stupid t-shirts of best team of baseball since May 24th and all of them who lost their mind when the Braves finally came to their senses and were like, we're not going to do the chop that much anymore. So a big shout out to all the furious Braves fans when the Nats lost, sorry, when the Nats won, there were a lot of them in my mentions when I tweet out the playoff series wins and a big shout out and a big thank you. We can't do this without you. Eat it. Thank you for your support. (laughs) Yep. And if you, you know, if you're bored now that your team's out of it, there's plenty of room on the Nats bandwagon. You know, we will welcome you. Just come on board and cheer for our boys. There's a a lot of tea times available for you guys. (laughs) All right. I think that's got it. That's it for us. You got anything else before we wrap up? No, let's do it. Let's, Let's go win the NLCS. All right, let's go win game one of the NLCS. So I don't know when we're going to do this again. I know for those of you who listen regularly, sorry, it's been a little inconsistent lately. Our schedules have been tough. Um, But we will try to at least do a wrap-up maybe halfway through the series um, and, you know, kind of touch base on everything and see how things are going. And um, when we can work it out, we will definitely let you guys know on Twitter. All right, so um, once more, 
doing this for the DMV Sports Network. Check them out at DMV underscore SN. You can get me at a white 7877. Nick and Ryan are at DC Natchak, and the show is at Half Street High Heat. Um, check us out uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to download, uh, subscribe, and leave us reviews. And check out the DMV Sports Network at dmvsportsnetwork.com. Uh, go Nats. Talk to you soon, Ryan. Go Nats. Let's do it. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.